Well, this morning, if you got your Bibles, look with me in Luke chapter 2. I'm excited because we're going to begin a brand new series today. We decided years ago uh, that we were going to dedicate the entire month of December to celebrating the birth of Christ. One Sunday a month or one Sunday a year in the month of December is not enough for us to really drill down into what God has done and is continuing to do through the birth of Jesus Christ. And so we just decided years ago the entire month of December is going to be our Christmas month. And I don't know if you noticed the stage this morning and all the singers. I mean, Christmas exploded on the stage this morning. I mean, all those cool hats and all those different things going on. I was thinking, man, I need a good Santa hat to preach in. And I thought I might steal Stephen's Grinch hat, but I'm not very Grinchy, so I'm going to let him keep that. So, but this morning we're going to begin that Christmas series and we're going to talk about some good news of great joy that the Bible says God has sent to all people. So Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 7. The Bible speaking of Mary, the virgin by the way, the virgin Mary, she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Amen? I want you to look at that first point this morning. The birth of Christ and the message of Christmas is good news that brings great joy to all people. And as believers in Jesus Christ, I want you to hear this today. We have the hope of the world, and we have the only message, think about that, we have the only message capable of bringing eternal life. Jesus was very clear. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said there's one way, not many ways. There's one road to heaven, not many roads to heaven. There's one path that brings life. And Jesus was bold enough, audacious enough, and courageous enough to say, I am the way. And apart from me, there is no way to the Father. And here's the good news of the gospel. We have the hope of the world. The hope of Christ Jesus in us. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, then guess what? The hope of the world lies in you. And you and I as Christians have the only message, the only message that brings eternal life. And that is the message of the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection and the soon coming of King Jesus who is going to one day step back onto this planet and step back into our world, so to speak, and change everything forever and forever and forever. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, we all know this scripture, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. We have the only message that brings eternal life. We have the only hope for a world that is lost in 
darkness. John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus is speaking, and Jesus said this, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, knowing God through his Son, Jesus. And we have that hope. And let me just remind you, it's good news. It's good news that Jesus saves. It's good news that you can be forgiven. It's good news that your life can begin again. And I think it's significant. And I really felt like the Lord challenged me this week. He said, Keith, I want you to remind the body of Christ that the message of the gospel is good news. And let me tell you why we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded because the world works overtime trying to convince the church that we're the bad guys. If you listen to the world talk about Christianity, the world will say something like this. The church just condemns people, and the church just judges people, and the church just pushes people away. But that is not true. The church is the only living, breathing organization on the planet because we're an organism. We're the body of Christ that has the hope of the world, and we are the only ones with the message that brings eternal life, and it is good news. And I want you to understand something today. This is so significant. I want you to understand that when we as the church stand for righteousness and we stand against ungodliness, when we stand for what is true and we speak against sin, we are not condemning the world. We are saving the world. Because until you recognize that you're living in sin, you don't come to the realization that you need a Savior. See, I think that we forget that for some reason. But yet the Bible says, Paul in the book of Romans says this. He says the entire purpose of the law can be summed up in this realization. The law was given to declare all men guilty before God. The purpose of the law was not to declare us righteous. The purpose of the law of God was to declare us guilty. Why? Because until I realize I'm a sinner, I don't realize I need a Savior. Until I realize I'm on the wrong path, I don't realize there's a better path. Until I realize I'm going to hell, I don't realize I can go to heaven. And when we share the good news of the gospel and when we call out sin... When we say, listen to me guys, when we say homosexuality is sin, when we say gay marriage is sin regardless of what our government says, how many of you know legalizing sin in the eyes of man does not condone sin in the eyes of God? And we live in a world today that wants to make the church the bad guys. But I don't know if we got any old cowboy fans in the house. I know I got Jesse back there. You know, back in the day, if you watched those old cowboy movies, the good guys always wore the white hat. I'm just going to tell you something. We're the good guys. We're the good guys. And we're wearing the white hat. We're wearing the hope of salvation. We're wearing the message of the gospel. And we're the good guys. And when we call out sin and we say homosexuality is sin and adultery is sin and fornication is sin and pride is sin and lust is sin and murder is sin and immorality is sin and lying is sin. When we call out sin, we're not condemning sinners. We're saving sinners. Because that's what we've been called to do. 
God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but yet Jesus consistently called people out of their sin. He called them out of immorality. He called them out of compromise. He called them out of the bondage of this world. And he called them in the glorious liberty and the grace of Jesus Christ. And I just want to tell you today, we're blessed today. How many of y'all believe the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord? We're blessed today because here today with us is, is one, of the hero, one of my heroes of the faith. He had no clue I was going to do this. I got a text message this morning from my dear friend, Pastor Todd. Pastor Todd, wave at everybody real quick if you would. Pastor Todd Henderson has been pastor one of our local churches here for several years, actually since 2020, I believe. Is that correct, Pastor Todd? He's become a dear friend of mine. He's got a heart for the gospel. And just a couple months ago, his church voted to ordain homosexuality and homosexuals as pastors and leaders in their denomination. And Pastor Todd, Todd stood up and spoke up against the sin of homosexuality. They said he was a bad guy. They said he was condemning people. They said he was judging people. But how many of you know that he was shining the light of Christ? And you are a hero of the faith, Todd. And I honor you this morning, and Liberty Church honors you because of the stand. He's having to move his family to another community to continue to pastor and continue to lead a church that wants to honor God and move in the things of the Spirit of the Lord. And I honor you, sir, this morning for the commitment and the sacrifice because it wasn't easy and it wasn't fun, but it was the right thing to do. Why don't we stand to our feet today? Come on. Why don't we show the man of God what we appreciate? about him today. Amen. I love you, sir. So look at that next point. When we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're sharing good news. We're sharing good news that brings great joy to all people. So we have to refuse, listen to me, to be ashamed of the gospel. The world wants to condemn us. The world wants to deceive us. The world wants to silence us into not speaking up and speaking out about the truth of Jesus Christ. And we have to refuse to be silent. We have to refuse to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because sharing the gospel, hear me, is the high calling of every believer. This is our highest calling to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to tell a world that is dying in sin that they can be redeemed by God, to tell a world that is headed to hell that they can be translated into the kingdom of righteousness and live forever, come on somebody, and have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Sharing the gospel is the highest calling of every believer because sharing is caring. How can we say we love people if we won't share the truth of the gospel with people? Sharing is caring. It's the most caring, compassionate thing we can do. The most compassionate, loving thing you can do for a person that is burning up in a burning building is tell them their house is on fire. That's the most compassionate thing you can do. Somebody's house is on fire. The most compassionate thing you can do is say your house is on fire. Years ago, we... We went to a water park over in Decatur, and we were out in the big wave pool, and we were out there having fun, and all of a sudden, I looked down to my right, and there was a little boy under the water. I don't know how old he was. He was old enough, apparently, to swim or be in the wave pool by himself, 
And I looked and I saw him under the water and he was doing this. He was drowning and going down fast. And I reached out my hand and I grabbed him. And he climbed me like a tree. <laughs> I mean, he's sitting on top of my head about two seconds later. And let me tell you what I know about that little boy. He was the happiest boy in that moment in that entire water park. He was happier than the kid that just came through the water slide. He was happier than the guy that just nailed that dive off the high dive. He was even happier than the boy that kissed his girlfriend behind the snack bar for the first time. He was the happiest boy in that park. Do you know why? He was drowning and then he was saved. And the most caring, compassionate thing we can do is when we look around us and see a world drowning in sin, and they are drowning, we can extend the hope of the gospel. We can extend the message of salvation. We can testify and tell them what God did for us. The power of your testimony is, is beyond belief. The impact that your story has in bringing hope and clarifying the message of Jesus Christ that, hey, I've been there and I've done that and let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you how God saved me. Let me tell you how God restored my family. Let me tell you how God healed my children. Let me tell you how God put our lives back together again. Let me tell you how I came out of depression and suicide and I found joy and peace in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me the most caring compassionate thing we can do is to extend a hand to a drowning sinner and share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ we can tell them their house is on fire but Jesus can save you amen that's what God has called us to do so let me just challenge let me give you some practical thoughts real quick Right now, it's Christmas. It's December. It's the Christmas season. And let me tell you what statistics say. Statistics, I, I've learned to love numbers. Brother Jim always tells me numbers don't lie. And uh, unfortunately, he's right most of the time. <laughs> let me give you a number. Statistics say that 7 out of 10 unchurched people would go to church if somebody invited them. That means 70% of the people that you and I work with that don't go to church would actually come to church if somebody just invited them. Think about that. 70% of the people in our world, in our community, in Arab, Alabama, that are not in church would come to church if somebody just invited them. See, if we're not careful, we get lulled into silence and we get so busy doing life and fulfilling life and accomplishing life and even sometimes serving God that we forget about the fact there's a world dying and going to hell around us and all many of them need is an invitation just to come. Hey, just come and see what God is doing. Just come and see what God is doing in our midst. December, Christmas is one time of the year that people that normally don't think about going to church are actually thinking about going to church. That's why we're trying to do some different things this year. December the 18th, we're doing free family photos for everybody. It's going to be awesome. And you can invite your coworkers, your friends, say, hey, hey, why don't you bring the family out on Sunday, come to church, we're going to be doing free family photos. When's the last time you got family photos made? They're going to say, I don't remember. You say, well, you could do it Sunday. 
December 18th, we'd love to have you. We also got a special gift we're going to give away that day. It's going to be awesome. We'd love for you to come. Why don't you come and sit with me? December 25th, Christmas Day. Christmas is on Sunday this year. We've got one service at 930 at both locations, a one-hour service. We're going to share Christmas communion together. We're going to have some special things happening that day. We're going to be doing all the Christmas carol classics that we love to sing in church and worship God. It's going to be a powerful, powerful day. As you heard in the announcements, we're encouraging to let the kids wear their Christmas pajamas. You don't have to wear an ugly Christmas sweater. You can wear a pretty Christmas sweater, but you got to wear clothes come on somebody <laughs> we, we thought about having the adults wear their pajamas and we thought that might get weird really quick so we said maybe not come on <laughs> but you know what there are going to be people that normally don't go to church are going to be thinking about going to church on Christmas all they need is an invitation all they need is somebody that would care enough to share with them the good news of the gospel and invite them to come and be a part of what God is doing. Amen? And we can do that. So let's talk about the gospel today. Why is the good news, so what is so good about the gospel? Well, the angel said that a Savior has been born. So let's talk today about the good news of the gospel. Listen, look at that next point. So Jesus is the Savior. He saves us from our sin. How many know we can be forgiven? Can I get an amen from somebody today? We can be forgiven of our sins. We can be set free from the guilt and the shame of sin. Way too many people are living under the condemnation of the enemy, carrying around the guilt and the shame of their sin. Let me tell you something. Salvation is the best weight loss program on the planet. Do you remember when you got born again? Do you remember when you accepted Christ? Do you remember what it felt like for the weight of your sin? I mean, you lost a 1,000 pounds just like that. I mean, you lost a 1,000 pounds in the blink of an eye. The weight of sin, the weight of that guilt, the weight of that shame was all of a sudden lifted off your life because Jesus saves us from our sins. He forgives us and frees us from the power of guilt and shame and condemnation. Listen to what the Bible says. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God says, I'll wash you clean. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The washing of the water of the blood of Jesus, the washing of the water of the word of God. God cleanses us. God redeems us. He forgives us and renews us into a right relationship with the Father. Hey, that's good news. It's good news to know that my past doesn't have to define my future. It's good news to know that I don't have to carry the weight of that shame and that guilt and that condemnation any longer. I can be forgiven. And you know what the Bible says? When God forgives us, he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. Listen to this. Never to be remembered again. If you're rehearsing your sin, then you're living a lie based on the deception of the enemy. If you're rehearsing your old sin, you're living a lie based on the deception of the enemy. And God has forgiven you. 
And if you've confessed your sin, he's forgiven you of all sin, and he's cleansed you of all unrighteousness, and he's cast it as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again. Isaiah 53, listen to what the scripture says. For he, speaking of Jesus, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him. And by his stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity, the sin, the rebellion, the pride, the jealousy, the immorality. He laid on Jesus the sin and iniquity of us all. And Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. Listen to this. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Jesus became the substitute on the cross. He became the substitute for our sin. God in his justice demanded death. And Jesus, in his righteousness, offered himself as a substitutional sacrifice on the cross. He took my place. He took your place. He bore the wrath of God. He bore the punishment of sin. He bore the penalty of sin on the cross so that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Hey, that's good news. That's good news that brings great joy into our hearts. Look at that next point. Jesus didn't just save us from our sin, but he saves us from the hand of the enemy. We are free from the power of Satan. In John chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. But for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus saves us from the hand of the enemy. We no longer have to be bound by the stronghold of sin and the bondage of the enemy. We no longer have to live as slaves to sin because we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The power of addiction, the power of lust, the power of pride, the power of the enemy has been abolished and broken. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He saves us from the hand of the enemy. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a son. I'm no longer in bondage. I have been liberated through Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul said in the book of Colossians. Verse 1, 13 and 14, he says, For he, speaking of God, has received us, has rescued us. I'm sorry, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our what? And forgave our sins. He purchased our freedom, and he forgave our sins. We are free from the hand of the enemy. We are free from the power of God. We are free from the strongholds of sin and Satan. And if you're living in bondage, you're living in deception. Let me say that again. If you're living in bondage, you're living in deception. Because the truth of the gospel is that Jesus sets us free from the power of the enemy. And Satan no longer has authority over our lives because we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. In the Gospel of Luke, look what the Bible says. Jesus had sent out 72 disciples. And the Bible says in Luke 10, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. 
Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Listen to what he says. I've given you authority. I've given you power. I've given you dominion. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you by any means. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Let me tell you where our authority comes from. Our authority comes from our identity in Christ. I have authority because of my identity. I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I am an heir and a joint heir in Jesus Christ. I am a new creation because of what he has done in me. And it is my identity in Christ as an heir and a joint heir that gives me authority over the enemy. And I can say, Satan, be gone. And if we submit to God, resist the devil, he has to flee. Can I get an amen from somebody? Jesus not only saves us from our sin, not only saves us from the hand of the enemy, this last one may be the best one. He saves us from ourselves. He saves us from ourselves. See, in Christ, we can receive a new heart and we can have a new life in Jesus. Ezekiel 36 verse 26 says this. He says, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. The heart of rebellion. The heart of pride. The heart of envy. I'm going to take that old stony, stubborn heart. And I'm going to give you a tender heart. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh that's tender. One translation says tender and responsive to God. How many know that when you got born again, you got a new heart and a new spirit? You went from being dead in your sin to being reconnected to the Father. When you were born again, your spirit man that was dead in sin, separated from the Father, was reunited to God the Father. And all of a sudden, you had a new heart and a new spirit. And now there was a new desire in your heart that had never been there before. See, the fact that as a Christian you struggle against sin is evidence that you've got a new nature in Christ. Because do you remember before you came to Christ, you didn't struggle with sin. You celebrated sin. You enjoyed sin. Hey, we're going to the party tonight. We're going to get wasted tonight. Party, party, party. Right? Think about it. Think about when you were in sin. You didn't struggle against sin. You celebrated it. You invited people to join you in it. Right? You applauded it. Man, I ripped that guy off. He never even saw me coming. Woo, I mean, I made some money. We boast in our sin. We brag about our sin. We celebrated our sin. We were proud of the fact that we could lie and cheat and steal and get away with it. And that we could take advantage of people and we could sleep with people and have sex with people and have immorality with other people and that we were getting drunk and we were getting high and we were having fun and nobody on earth's going to tell me what to do. And we were full of pride and arrogance and boastfulness in our sin and our rebellion. But when you got born again, now there's something in you that wants to please God. Now you struggle against sin. Now those things that used to please you now sicken you. Those things that you used to run after now you run from. Those things that you used to, you used to celebrate now you disdain in your life because now there's a new heart and a new spirit. You've been bent back toward God. And it's a good thing. Come on, somebody. That's some good news. 
that I can have a new heart and I can have a new spirit. You're not who you used to be. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation. you got a new heart and a born-again spirit that lives to please the Father. That's why the Bible says this. Listen to this statement out of the book of Galatians. Paul says this, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, you have a born-again spirit that will not sin. Your born-again spirit man longs to please God and wants to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Listen to this scripture. This is powerful. Listen to this scripture. It's not on the screen. Write it down. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Man, that's a powerful statement. Whatever is born of God does not sin. And it cannot sin because it's been born of God. Well, Pastor Keith, have you ever sinned since you've been a Christian? Absolutely. But you know what got born again? My flesh didn't get born again. Even my mind didn't get born again. My spirit man got born again. And if I'll walk in the spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. My spirit man always wants to please God. My spirit man always wants to honor God. My spirit man wants to bring life, not death, blessing, not cursing. That's why we have to crucify the flesh. That's why we have to renew our minds. Because my mind and my flesh hasn't been redeemed yet. One day it will be. I'll be caught up a moment in a twinkle of eye. Woo! And I'll be in a new body. And I'll be living in a new place. And I won't have to crucify my flesh because my flesh will be redeemed. But until then, I'm still crucified. But guess what? If I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because my spirit man has been born again, and his seed remains in me. And he cannot sin. I will not sin in my spirit. Because my spirit longs to please the Lord. I've been born again. I'm not who I used to be. I'm a new creation in Christ. I remember, you guys heard me share it many times. I was 15 years old a Sunday night in a little Baptist church. And at 15 years old, I was a really good kid. And I hadn't done any of the things that most people do whenever we go to get saved. I hadn't, I hadn't been involved in any kind of really bad stuff. But I'll never forget being 15 years old. And when I got born again, the weight of my sin was lifted. And my heart was bent toward God in a way that changed my life. You guys have heard me say, I went home that night, I told my sister, I can't wait till I go to school tomorrow. I want to tell all my friends what Jesus did for me. I didn't become this great evangelist. I didn't become this bold witness for Christ in my high school. I wish I had been, but I didn't. But I knew without a shadow of a doubt, I was not who I used to be. I had a new heart and a new spirit, and I was changed. That's the power of the gospel. He saves us from our sin. He saves us from the power of the enemy. He saves us from ourselves by giving us a new heart. I want to ask you just to bow your heads for a second. I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and make their way to the front. In just a moment, we're going to go into a closing song of worship, and we're going to open the altar up. And when we open the altar up in just a minute, if you realize you're a Christian, you're saved... 
but you realize maybe you're still struggling with some sin in your life, I want to tell you something. You can be forgiven and free today. The price has already been paid. All you've got to do is just invoke what has been made available to us through the blood of Jesus. Maybe as a Christian, you realize today there's still a stronghold in your life that needs to be broken. There's power over the enemy. Don't believe the lies that this is just who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. And you can be free today. But before we open the altar for you to come for personal prayer and ministry, I want to do this. If you're here today, I want to ask you an important question. If you were to die right now, where would you spend eternity? If you were to die right now in this moment, where would you spend eternity? For everyone watching me online this morning, if you were to die right now, where would you spend eternity? Do you know that you got a new heart and a new life? Do you know that you've been born again, that one day you were one way and the next day you were a totally different person? Maybe not on the outside, but on the inside, you knew everything changed. Here's the good news. Jesus will save you from your sins. You could be forgiven. Jesus can save you from the power of the enemy and you can come out from all the strongholds and bondages of sin and Satan. And Jesus will grant you a new heart and a new life. And you can live forever and ever with Him. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, today I want to be born again. Today I want to be my day. I want to know that I know that if I were to die today, that heaven would be my home because Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, just raise your hand. All across the building today. If you're watching online, you can raise your hand. Hit that hand emoji, type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. But if you want to be born again today, and you don't know that you know that Jesus is the Lord of your life. You can't think about a day when your heart was really changed. Then today's your day. Now is your hour. This is your moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This is what we're going to do today. We're going to pray a simple salvation prayer for those that may be watching online. And then we're going to stand to our feet. We're going to open the altars up. And if you need prayer for any reason today. As we do our last song of worship today, this is your moment just to come. We'd love to pray with you. If you just want to come and kneel and get before the Lord, you can do that. But if you need prayer, our prayer teams would love to pray with you today. But if you're watching online and you raised your hand, you say, today, Pastor Keith, I want to be born again. Let's just say this prayer, all of us out loud together. Let's repeat it. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning?